First Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. If we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And as I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let me see. So we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been looking at the multiple faces of love. And I will continue to say this. Love is the greatest trait that anyone could ever manifest. It is what is commanded of us by the Lord Jesus. It is the essence of the Christian life. And I trust that all of you are taking to heart these messages. All of these admonitions, all of these uh, exhortations about what love is and what is commanded, it's not some ivory goal. Uh, to which we aspire. God expects us to demonstrate these things for real on a day-by-day basis. Uh, a person may say, well, I can't be perfect because in this world no one is perfect. But we can't use that as an excuse not to be serious about manifesting these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. The goal is still there And God is still exhorting us to pursue it with great zeal. Turn with me to Matthew 5. Look at verses 43 through 48 in the Sermon on the Mount by the Lord Jesus. I'm just going to start in. I could read the whole Sermon on the Mount, but I'm not. But the whole Sermon applies here. But I'm just going to pick up at verse 43. He says... You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same. And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And here's the real emphasis. This is how he ends it. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. That's the goal. Jesus says God's expectation of us is 
perfection and holiness. He knows our limitations. He knows uh, the fact that there is the remaining nature of sin that plagues us. However, the goal still remains the same. And by the way, that is why Jesus Christ came into this world. Because God's standard has never, ever been relaxed. The soul that sins shall die, says the Lord God. And he cuts no one a break. And all it takes is one sin, as James 2 says, to condemn us forever in hell. That's all it takes. There is no weighing of scales. Well, we could put it this way. That one sin... Dips that scale forever that no amount of so-called good works can ever overcome it. And so, we can't use this as an excuse. Well, I'm not perfect, and therefore, you know, I'll cut myself some slack here. No, Jesus says, you are to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. We should be praying every single day, Lord, help me strive towards being what the Scripture says love should be. That should be our prayer. I mean this in all seriousness. If one thinks that Christianity is uh, basically adherence to an external code, a ritual that we go through every day, if that's the, the nature of one's Christianity, then I'm sorry you've missed it. If that's it. If, that, if it's just ritual, if it's just outward conformity, well, I'm there in church. I'm there every day or every Lord's Day. But if your heart's not engaged, if there's not that sincere desire to be holy, those who call upon Jesus, that is, as, as the Scripture says in Isaiah, he says that's vain religion. James says it's vain religion. And so when we go through these areas uh, on what the multiple faces of love Or we need to be praying, Lord, I know it's challenging because I'm still a sinner, but make me exemplify this by the power of your Spirit. That's our prayer. It should be our prayer. Love is the fruit of the Spirit, after all, right? It's the greatest. It it encompasses all the other fruit. If you look at Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the flesh, and then the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We've already seen that love is kind, love is patient, and all that. But we see in one sense, love is the canopy over everything. And that's why love is the greatest of all things. In other words, these sermons should not have this response among us. You know, preacher, these are nice things you're saying. But I really don't really desire to see it part of my life, that is a wrong response. That's a bad sign. In fact, if that's our attitude that, yeah, I may sound good, but you know what? I don't really care that much. And you know how you show that you really don't care is when we go out and you may have heard a message about what we're talking about today. We're going to. And then fall right into that sin. And not be so grieved about it, but have the attitude, well, really? What's the big deal about this? That is a bad sign. With that being said, 
Well, let's put it this way. You and I are commanded by God to be always killing sin, mortifying. The old Puritans called it mortifying sin, putting it to death, uh, realizing that the depths of the sin that still remains in us. And we need to be killing that sin. But see, I, I can't do it in the flesh. I've got to have the Holy Spirit to help me. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to help you. Holiness of life is unattainable in the flesh. It's only the power of God that's going to give you any kind of victory, really. And that's why you've got to pray to the Lord to be merciful to you, to help you. Because it's not the natural thing is to sin. That's the natural thing. The unnatural thing is to pursue after holiness, and that's where we need the strength of the Spirit of God. With that being said, you know, in our text here in 1 Corinthians 13, we're just going to deal with one of those things. You know, as I go through here, I was thinking ahead of time, how many messages are going to have all this? It's turning out to be more than I had anticipated, because I don't want to shortchange you on anything. Seriously. So, at one point, I was going to preach on all four of those things and seven. I said, no, hold on. As I got into it, I said, I'd keep you here for three hours. So, no, we're just going to make another sermon out of it. So, we're going to talk today about love bears all things. That's what the whole message is today. Looking at that face of love, that it bears all things. Now, what does it mean that love bears all things? Well, for what it's worth, the Greek word here is stego. And if you were to take a, you heard the term a lexicon, a Greek lexicon really is a dictionary. It's what it is. And, and it's derived on how you do word studies and where they come up with a definition of that. And remember, words mean what they mean in their context. And therefore, these are the dominant thoughts that come out in the Scripture concerning this word, bear all things. Uh, that's the New American Standard. Thing. So what does it mean? Well, it conveys the idea of a thatch, a covering of something. To protect by covering. Uh, to preserve. To cover with silence. To keep secret, to hide, to conceal the errors and the faults of others. By covering to keep all something which threatens, it also conveys the idea to bear up. And in some translate it, that word in some places in the scripture as enduring something, enduring insult. Enduring assault against you. That's the word. Love bears all things. In other words, bear, uh, bear, to bear all things means you put up with a lot. You put up with a lot. And so there's two dominant ideas that are conveyed here when it says love bears all things. Love seeks to protect others by covering their sins. It seeks to preserve as best as possible their name. 
That's what it means that love bears all things. Love covers with silence the errors and the faults of others. Now we're going to see that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be addressed when it needs to be addressed. But the dominating thought here is that love seeks to minimize it, seeks the name, the good name of someone, even when they have a fault. And secondly, as I said, this word conveys the idea that it, it is forbearing. You use the word, you're forbearing with someone. If I am forbearing with you, I may recognize there is something that maybe is not that admirable, that is a sin at some point. I may bring that up to you. But I'm not just quick to go and just deal with it necessarily, pray about it. I, I, I bear with you in your struggles. That's what love does. It bears with people in their faults. I can assure you that this trait of love is very evident in a mature Christian. Those who are mature have learned by God's grace, by the power of the Spirit, to manifest this trait of bearing with the sins of others. Uh, it's very lacking in immature Christians, and it's non-existent in unbelievers. I've seen it numerous times, and I bet you have too. And we all, probably, as we go through this, have seen, I've been guilty of this very thing multiple times. Now, this is a very common sin here of not bearing concerning other people. Bearing up. Be aware of it, of its commonality, because it will raise its ugly head very frequently in your life. And be diligent about asking God to help you to kill it, to mortify it. Now, <clears throat> let's, take a, let's take a look at passages uh, that's going to bring out what it means to bear uh, with the sins of others. And again, the idea is covering others. So, we're going to take a look at a lot of the Proverbs and some New Testament passages. And the first passage that I want you to... Turn to, and from these passages, we're going to learn what this means, that love bears all things, and we're going to learn how to apply it to our lives on a daily basis. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Now, I want you to see, it is very important that we see the contrast that's being presented here. Hatred and love that covers transgressions. There, there's the contrast. Hatred and then the one who covers the transgression. So what does it mean? If I don't cover the transgression, I'm really manifesting a trait of hatred. In other words, hatred stirs up strife, but love will pacify. Love seeks peace. Love will cover a sin. And when we fail to cover the sins of others at times, we are engaged in hating one another. Now, this is what the scripture says. 
Here's what we probably have not realized. Hatred breaks what commandment? The, the most vivid commandment. Sixth commandment, right? Thou shalt not kill. So when <clears throat> I'm not covering transgressions but manifesting a hatred uh, by various means that we're going to see, then I am guilty. You ready? I'm guilty of murder. You know, Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, sinfully anger, he said, what have you done? You've killed your brother. You've broken the sixth commandment. See, this is why a lot of people think, and they have this false notion. Uh, I think Wayne Rogers at the conference, I, maybe it could have been another speaker, ran across said he knew a guy who said he hadn't seen him in 40 years. Can you imagine an attitude like that? That's a very... Here's what that manifests. It's a very low view of God and a failure to understand the real nature of sin and how it shows itself in your life. And so what it here is when we choose not to cover the sins or transgressions, what we're doing, we are engaging in things that are murdering men. And, brother, we're not about to be killing one another uh, by failing to cover their transgressions. Now, I'm not talking about dealing. Again, I want to make this important point. There are times when we have to make known the public nature of sins. That's what church discipline is. But that only comes about when a person fails to repent. That's the only reason that then that it becomes, as it were, publicly. What are all the steps intended to do before it becomes public? Private admonition. Seeking, you know, one of the things about sin in our own lives and the sin of the church, here's what the goal is always to do. Find the sin and quarantine it. That's the goal. Quarantine the sin so it doesn't break out and infect other people. That's always the goal. And so, unless something needs to be known to other people, it shouldn't be known to other people. So, in this regard, I want you to take a look at Proverbs 11. Look at verse 13. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. You know what we're talking about now, aren't you? Well, what is a talebearer? Here's the modern word for a talebearer, a gossiper. That's what a gossiper is. A gossiper is someone who reveals secrets, but a trustworthy person conceals the matter. Doesn't run out to tell everybody the sins of some person. It does what? It seeks to quarantine it and deal with it. That's what it seeks to do. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. Now, what are we talking about? Again, we're talking about <coughs> gossipers. We're talking about those, uh, those sins that I'm afraid that Christians 
commit very frequently. And here's what's sad. Many times, we don't recognize that we're sinning in doing it. That's the sad thing. It's one thing to know that uh, something was sin and you still do it. Sometimes there are actions we do. We don't recognize the gravity of what we're doing. And then all the terrible fallout that occurs as a result of it. And, and, and it should never have happened if we had taken heed to this part of the scriptures. It's very, it is a, you don't have to raise your hand. Do you think it's a common sin among Christians to gossip? I think it is. And uh, it's absolutely out of control with unbelievers to, to see what happens. And it's an evil of immense proportions. We've all done this and may be even doing something like this even now. And I'm here to tell you again, it's the sin. Love covers a transgression. Hatred stirs up strife. And gossip, in all of its forms, is one form of murdering your neighbor. And that's what we've got to be sensitive about. And I dare say that many gossipers have never stopped to think that in their gossip towards someone, they are, they are murdering, they are killing their neighbor. Never stop to think that that is what's happening. You ruin a person's name. You prejudice people against someone. What have you done to them? You're killing them in one sense. may not be a physical killing them, but you're damaging them. You're prejudicing people against them unnecessarily sometimes. You know, I dare say, if you get anything out of the sermon today, if you get this one realization, it will be immensely successful. I'll consider it a very successful sermon. Before you gossip, before you're tempted to say something about someone else, stop and consider that you're breaking the Sixth Commandment. Just let that sink in before you start sharing something about someone else that will damage their reputation. Am I exaggerating this sin? I don't think I'm exaggerating this sin in what the Scripture says. Uh, physical, yes, physical murder is more heinous than killing someone with your words. I mean, the confession talks about there are some sins more heinous than others by the effect that it has. And to outright kill someone physically is worse than ruining them with your mouth. But nonetheless, Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother, what have you done? You killed him. And guess what? That sin will send you to hell. It'll, any sin of the heart will send the person to hell. You've got to understand the gravity of sin and sins of the heart. They do harm people. And an ungodly use of the tongue, the tail-bearer, and the tail-bearer, and this is what I want to stress, the tail-bearer, the gossiper, is not covering the sin, are they? They're not covering the sin when they let it known to the public. Understand, Christians... Again, genuine Christians, you can't, 
they don't go to hell. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. But unbelievers, it is out of control in out there in, we may say, the marketplace. Out of control. And to see how people damage one another. Let's take a look at some other Proverbs here. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 9. Now remember, what is our text in 1 Corinthians 13 says? says, love bears all things. Love covers. It conceals. It hides. All right? Proverbs 17, verse 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love. You may have thought that was only, you know, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to see Peter, you may have thought that was only New Testament. I've just shown you a couple passages. It's the Old Testament. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter, get this, separates intimate friends. A real friend is not a gossiper. A real a friend seeks the welfare of his friend, and he doesn't gossip about them. And the damage happens, it says, when the person gossips concerning, let's say, a friend, it does a lot of damage. And, and, and the scripture says friendships can be ruined because of that. It separates intimate friends. Take a look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. And one of the things that a friend does when he loves you at all times, he covers your transgressions. They're not excusing your sin. Mind you, again, this is not excusing the sin in your brother or sister. That's not what it, it's not excusing the sin. But it's what, what does a friend do? It wants to quarantine that sin in your friend's life and then help them. What does it say? A friend is born for adversity, meaning when you're going through a hard time, isn't it helpful to have a good friend at your side? It really is important to have that friend when things aren't just going well for you. And your friend wants to protect you as best as possible. That's what a friend does. And if your friend sees that you have a sin, they want to quarantine the sin. They want to help you deal with it, but they don't want to manifest it to the world. They don't want to run out and say, did you guess what old Johnny did today? They don't want to do that. They don't want to tell everybody uh, all the secrets, all of your sins. No, they want to help you with it. They don't want to broadcast it out to other people. That's not what a friend does. Turn to Proverbs 18.24. A man of many um, friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Sticks closer than a brother. Wants to cover your transgression. Friends don't gossip about their friends. Friends seek to cover the weaknesses of their friends. You know why gossip separates friends? Have you ever been the victim of a gossip? It hurts, doesn't it? It really hurts. 
And what is your response? I thought they were my friend. See that? I thought they were my friend. And now the whole world, as it were, knows this. And they manifested something about me, and it really hurts. That's why the scripture, isn't it so true, when it says the uh, talebearer separates intimate friends. And so you see, those wounds can go deep. Turn with me to Proverbs 26. Look at verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. This talks about the, it goes and it deals with the impact of a gossiper. The impact of the talebearer. It goes down to the innermost parts of the beings. That's why you're hurt so bad when, when you're the victim of a gossip. Look at verse uh, Proverbs 26, verse 20. Well, this really states it, isn't it? For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Now, you know how about You understand that. You've got to keep feeding the fire, you know, out there in the campfire. Otherwise, it's going to go out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Wow. Where there's no gossiper, then there's no contention. Remember, hatred stirs up strife. Where there are gossipers, strife prevails. It happens every time. And it hurts, like I said, very deeply. And if you've ever learned about someone gossiping about you, um, again, you said, I thought they were my friend. Now, it hurt the, uh, and, and why, here's, here's what it is. Why did it hurt deeply? You feel betrayed, don't you? You feel betrayed. And I, I thought you again were my friend. But you've portrayed this. I may have shared this in confidence. You know how Christians commit this sin? Someone shares something with me and you make it a matter of a prayer request to other people. <laughs> you've got to be very careful about that. And in the prayer request, you could be gossiping about someone. I've seen it. Friends who are supposed to love you, a real friend will cover sins with silence. They're not a gossip. They want to quarantine your sins. Now, obviously, they understand it's a transgression. It says love covers the transgression. They understand it's a transgression. But you know what? And this is why... The scripture says in Galatians 6, it says, Those of you who are spiritual, restore those who have sinned. How? With gentleness. Why? Lest you also be tempted. See, this is why the person who is mature as a Christian, who is not a gossiper, they have wisdom. They understand they understand how uh, damaging a gossip can be. Uh, the one with wisdom understands how deeply a gossip can hurt someone. They understand that. 
I, a person with wisdom understands, look, I don't want to uh, unnecessarily damage their reputation. They may have been they may have been guilty of this sin. I will help them with that sin. But you see, I'm their friend. I may, I may understand their weaknesses, but uh, Harry out there who doesn't know your friend the way you do will be biased against them. They ain't going to cut them any slack. They might want not have anything to do with them because of the gossip. You know, friends who are supposed to love one another cover their sins with silence. And now, remember this passage says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. I read this years ago. A uh, woman was coming in to talk to the pastor of the church. And he knew she was coming in to talk about her propensity of gossip. And the Lord had convicted her of this sin. And she wanted to come talk to the pastor. Now, the reason I say this, it was years ago, because you understand the nature of what he did. I mean, it was a great object lesson. Because he had prepared for her when she talked about it, says, Pastor, you know, I sinned, I gossiped about someone, and I really feel bad for her. Uh, Now, he says, I understand the Lord will forgive you your sin, but he had a pillow there. And the reason it's years ago, it was duck down, it had feathers in it. How many pillows have feathers in them now? That's why I say years ago. And what he did, he, he, he told her, he said, what am I to do? And he says, well, first of all, here's what I want you to do. He went outside, he cut the pillow, and he told her, Shake that like this. And all the feathers in the wind go, go shooting down everywhere. And he said, now I want you to go and get all the feathers up one by one. Well, they're already down the street. <laughs> it's down there by the river. Uh, no telling where this one is. It's floating over the other uh, building over there. I want you to go get every feather. Well, that's going to be hard to do. And he says, now you understand How are you going to go and undo maybe how far your gossip has gotten? You have no idea who may know what you shared by now. Now, you may feel bad for the fact you gossiped. But it is very hard to undo the the serious impact of that. Turn with me to 1 Peter 4, verse 8. All this does is a New Testament example of what we've been reading in the Proverbs. But it ties in love with what we're referring to here. Above all, keep fervent in your love. Let's just stop there. Be earnest in your love. Fervent. Be zealous. Be passionate about your love for one another. So, how am I to be fervent, earnest about love? Well, he tells us. Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's why. You want to show real love to someone? Cover a multitude of sins. Don't be quick to spread it. Quarantine the sin. Now here is the face of love in its glowing holiness. The face of love is a forgiving spirit. It has a forgiving nature. Love has a forgiving nature. 
It recognizes, look, it recognizes that we all are sinners. Love recognizes that. But I don't want to go out. Love recognizes that. But love doesn't want to go out and proclaim the sins of others to the whole world. That's not what love wants to do. And so what happens here, as I said, the impact of gossip upon others is this. Other people form a basis of opinion on what you may have told them about someone else. Now, consider it. Back up for a moment. Now, you may not have thought this about someone being a gossip to you, but they may, let's say they just told you something about someone else. You don't know that person. But what has already happened? You've sort of already been presupposed to think a certain way towards them already, right? You don't know them, but you've been told something about them, and now you have already formed an opinion that may be very difficult for that person to overcome by that fact, because they've already been prejudiced to a certain degree. See, see the damage that gossip, the talebearer does? See what happens when love doesn't cover a transgression? It prejudices people against others. And so, <clears throat> turn back to, to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, verses 9 through 10. Argue your case with your neighbor, and do not reveal the secret of another, lest he who hears it reproach you, and the evil report about you not pass away. Now, actually, here, it's talking about the impact of what people think about the gossiper. Talebearers reveal secrets, and they bring shame to themselves, Scripture says. What this passage is getting at, this this particular passage here, is that if you have an issue with someone, you have an issue with your neighbor, then you go to your neighbor privately to handle the issue you have with them. Here's what you don't do. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard to resist this. Here's what you don't do. If you've got an issue with someone, you don't, you don't necessarily go tell your as intimate a relationship as husband and wives are. You don't necessarily go tell your husband and your wife the issue you've had with someone necessarily. It may all depend on the circumstance, but they don't necessarily need to know. Unless they become prejudiced towards this person somehow. And... <clears throat> You don't do this either, and I've seen this happen. You don't discuss it at the dinner table with the family. I have seen that happen. Well, you know about so-and-so. Do you know about the sin? We need to pray. Here you get We need to pray about the person. And now, how many people know? Well, the whole family now knows about it. Did they really need to know about it? Did the children need to know about this? Not really. And now the children, now they may be prejudiced towards this person. You don't tell 
you're necessarily your closest friend. It says you go, you, you want to argue your case to the neighbor, don't reveal the secret of another. Go to that neighbor and deal with it. Get it over with. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, here's, again, I'm telling you, this is just how it happens with us. You may want to have wisdom. Sometimes you say, well, I need to have wisdom in how to deal with this. Well, you don't need to necessarily tell your family how this. Even be careful going to uh, the pastor or someone. I mean, it all depends on the situation. Go deal with the situation. Love. What is love wanting to do? It's wanting to quarantine the sin. Love doesn't reveal the secrets of another. When you and I become talebearers, when you and I become gossipers, uh, the perceived sins against us, if it, pre- it does prejudice, has a tendency to prejudice others, uh, and um, guess what? They may rail against that person. Well, they go out and say, I can't believe you did that to so-and-so. Now, have you ever had this happen to you? Someone has told you something, they've revealed a secret to you. In other words, they've gossiped about the sin. They've not covered the sin. And they told you about this person. You say, I can't believe they, had, they did that. You, you mean they did that to you? Yeah. And then you go to that person, and guess what you find out? Turn to Proverbs 18. Here's what you find out. I memorize memorize this passage, and uh, this is one of the Proverbs that I keep bringing up all the time to myself. The first to plead his case seems just until another comes and examines him. You see, when a talebearer comes to you, they're coming to you, as it were, to argue a case with you about someone, and they may have convinced you. Until you go to the other person and found out otherwise. Now, where have you seen this very frequently as a parent? When one of the children come to you as a tattletale, And they say, really? And then you go to the other child, and all of a sudden you realize, you know, there was another side to the story. And actually, maybe the other side of the story is more convincing now than the first to plead this case. And, and when we, the tattletale often does what? They want to, they want to convince you. They want to persuade uh, mom or dad that sister has really done something and when you go to them, you find out, well, they left out some pertinent information. Now, didn't they? You didn't tell me this. You didn't tell me that. The first to present their case seems just until you go and find out otherwise. See the damage that a talebearer, a gossiper can do? I have seen incredible damage that gossip brings. It can get out of control, and it, it, it can be endless. I once uh, heard someone say something about other people. They revealed secrets. Um, 
And at the time, they weren't, they were just bringing out something, uh, I don't know if it was such a sin in that person as some aspect of their life that really wasn't their business. It really wasn't their business. And you know what came back to bite them big time? Because the word got to this person, and that person said to their friend, did you know what this one said about me? They said, really? And then that person went to another person and said, do you know what they said? And here's where it came back to bite them big time. All of a sudden, five people came to the original source and said, and they were very upset with the original talebearer. And says, we don't want anything to do with you. If that's the way you are, we don't want, we don't want to associate with you. Now, once it's that's a biblical thing. But they didn't mean it in a very godly way. And, and the problem is this. Where that occurred was, was among what I perceived to be very immature Christians. And some, I didn't have confidence they were Christians at all. So, therefore, I knew that when the gossip got to this area, they were not, they were going to be brutal and vicious, and they were. And in that instance, the third person who heard it came over, and they were ready to go to fisticuffs with the person over it. See what happens? That's what happens. When love doesn't cover a transgression, and it, we become talebearers. It spreads like wildfire, and what does it do? It creates strife. That's what the proverb says. And so, what happens is, it, uh, it creates a scenario where other people become very angry and commit the sixth, uh, violate the Sixth Commandment towards that person. That's how it gets out of hand. Brethren, I don't want you to miss the seriousness of this. Gossip is the sin of murder. It does not seek to protect other people. Um, it doesn't see, uh, love seeks to protect others, and it seeks to protect the estate of other people. It looks as much as possible. We'll get to that in another sermon where it talks about... Uh, <coughs> In love not only bearing all things, love believes all things. We'll deal with that next week. Well, not next week, but we'll be following. It will believe all things. It will think the best about people. It does not automatically jump to conclusions. It wants to think the best of people. I'll just leave it at that or I'm going to preach that sermon. Now, in this regard... When I say to you that I want you to understand the seriousness of this, when I say you need to understand that a gossip is really committing the sin of murder, I want you to feel the sting of that. I really do want you to feel the sting of that. Before you're ever tempted to go out and and reveal secrets to others, I want you to feel that, what you are doing to that person. You're not seeking to cover their sins. See, the failure of bearing all things, the failure to cover the sins, is a big deal. It really is a big deal. And more damage is done in the home, our home life, by this sin. 
More damage is done in the church of the Lord Jesus by this sin. And the workplace where there's unbelievers, it abounds in amazing ways in the workplace. Someone shake their head. Because they've seen it happen. Wow. It can create tension in the workplace like you can't imagine. And people are going around talking behind the back of other people. And next thing you know, someone's angry at others. I'll say this. Years ago, they were talking about what employers are looking at employees. And at that time, the number one thing was how you look. Number two, show up on time. And you know what the number three at that time was? The ability to get along with co-workers. Now, you ain't going to get along with a co-worker if you backbite. You go telling them something about your other co-worker, what they're doing, and they're not doing their job well, and you go share it with someone, you have now created, you just lit a fire in the workplace is what you've done. And they'll come back to bite you big time. The unbeliever. I promise you, will reveal the secrets to others. They don't cover the sins of others. And they'll let everyone they know know about that. That's the problem. Brethren, in this regard, love bears all things. Love covers transgressions. And you know one of the ways that love covers transgressions practically? It's a forgiving spirit. See, there it is. The one who covers a transgression is a forgiving person. They are. Husband and wife, cover the sins of your spouse. Be forgiving. The world doesn't need to know all about them. Your best friend outside, uh, let's put it this way, I mean, your spouse should be your best friend But even in marriages, you have other best friends, your best girlfriend or the guy's best male friend. They don't need to necessarily know what's going on in your marriage and some of the struggles that you have. They don't. So we, wives, you've got to watch out complaining to your friend about the sins of your husband. Husbands, you need to watch out about complaining to your buddy that you Go do sports with about the sins of your wife. Just don't do it. It's not their business as such. You cover the transgressions of others. Children, don't go telling your friends how stupid your brother or sisters are. You don't need to tell them. They may, they may be stupid, but the whole world doesn't even know that. <laughs> Love Quarantines, see? It, 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 want, it want, wants to protect the family. In terms of forgiveness, the one who bears all things is the one who really is a forgiving person. Realizing, and here's what they are. Here's what the person who forgives others and will cover their transgressions. They really are seeking the best interests of that person. They don't want to publicize to the world their sins. They love them that much. And they are forgiving. Let me tell you, if you and I are not forgiving people, here's what happens. We become bitter 
And if we become bitter, we become resentful. And if we become resentful, we often become talebearers at that point. If you're bitter, it's going to bust out and you're going to tell somebody about it when you shouldn't. That's how it happens. You know, Jesus was very emphatic about this. He says, if you are not willing... Now, I'm going to back up here for a moment. Sometimes the gossip begins when you have been hurt by someone and you want to tell someone else how much this person has hurt you. Now, what's happened? You haven't forgiven them, have you? You really haven't forgiven them because you want to go tell someone about it. You want to get someone to side with you. You want someone to sympathize with you. Uh, with, with just how much you've been hurt. Now, here's what Jesus says. If you're not willing to forgive someone, then neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. If that's the attitude, then your Father won't forgive you. It is a very big deal with God. Just think back to some of the times that you and I have been guilty of gossiping, and I'm sure all of us have done it at some point in our lives, it was because, often because someone really hurt us deeply, and we wanted to, we wanted to get a sympathetic ear. And that's how it started. I've been hurt. But you see, love covers a multitude of sins. Someone may have really done something that really did hurt you. Let's say it was really bad. But here's what love does. It doesn't broadcast the hurt. Love forgives, is willing to forgive, and it, it doesn't want to let the whole world know about it. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, as we conclude this, how, this is important, how do you really gain the victory? over this. How do you stop being a tailbearer? You ready? One, you've got to depend on the Holy Spirit. How well do you know this book? How well do you know those proverbs that I just went over in this message? That, t- that tell us what gossip is, the damage as it does. You see, really, many of us may not understand we we commit the sin because we have not studied the Scriptures sufficiently to to know just how much the Word of God says about it. And, And our failure to be in the Bible on a regular basis has circumvented our sanctification. I don't know how many times in my own life that when I ran across a verse, I go, I wish I had known that. I wish I had known that verse, or it may have been a time, it's been a long time since I'd gone over that. And said, you know what? If I had been reminded of that verse, I maybe would not have gone out and said what I did. I'll get it back, but what's happened? The pillow feathers are flying, and I can't get it back. 
See how important it is to be in the Word of God, to know these Proverbs, and let those things, before we say something, before we get ready to let someone know about it, says, I'm about ready to commit murder. I'm about, to, I'm about ready to destroy their name. No, I don't think I'm, I don't want to commit murder. No, no. I'll just keep my mouth shut. You've got to be in the Word of God. You know, maybe not thought that, that little short phrase, love bears all things. Did you ever think it was all this? Yeah, it was all that. Be forgiving. Keep your mouth shut many times. Cover the sin. Quarantine the sin. Because you are a real friend. That's what a real friend does. Let us pray.